please say, how children get you stuck and distracted. Say, how in the world did that happen? Now, this, the children are saying, wait a minute. This one to pick on your sermons. I promise you it's not. The series is entitled Stuck and Distracted. My sister looks stuck in between two walls, and definitely she's distracted. All of us can relate to this. All of us have had a moment in our life when we are distracted, when we're stuck in a place, not really sure what to do. And being stuck keeps you distracted. You can't quite figure out what my next step would be. Financially, you can be stuck. Emotionally, you can be stuck. Uh, I find myself fighting off the mental, the mental temptation. Um, if something bad happens, I can get stuck there. Anybody know about that? And you just can't think. You're trying to. Right now, for example, there's this COVID thing flying around a little bit more than normal. And if you're not careful, you get stuck in fear. Now, if you're like me, you always keep a mask somewhere around. And so, you know, I, when I go certain places, I make that decision, and you're welcome to make that here. We welcome it, and I believe in vaccinations and all that. If you don't, I understand. God bless you. But they're going to stick me, stick me in Jesus' name. I, I'm telling you right now. Um, as a matter of fact, let me just give a testimony. I just came out of a, a, a surprise COVID attack um, a week ago, and for four days I was surprised because I am very careful. I have hand sanitizer in both pockets. No, <laughs> I do all I can. But we live in a world where things happen, but the challenge is you can't get stuck there. Come on, say amen, you hear me? You can't be afraid. You can't allow yourself. So I just, you know, spent my time reading ahead, studying ahead, uh, uh, staying away from Diane. And some of y'all gonna stay away from me today, so he finished it. <laughs> I'm fine. Come on, say, he's fine. he's fine. You know me, I'm 100%. I wouldn't come unless I was. But I believe there is a challenge we all face of being stuck. And I don't want to ever be stuck. I have to fight the fight I'm in, not the one I want to be in. Say that with me, please. Come on. Fight the fight you're in, not the one you want to be in. And this is a real fight. You can pretend it's not, but it's a real fight. And when the fight comes your way, even if you did everything you could do, Having done all to stand, stand, the Bible says. And so I don't want you to be afraid and stuck, but I want you to learn how to fight forward. In this series, there are four specific things I'm going to talk about. And um, I tell you in advance so you can tune in and stay in touch and know where we're going. The first sermon is about children, how children get you stuck and distracted. That's today's sermon. And we'll talk about uh, the tragic story of a family where they get stuck because Eli, who was the father, is passive. And I'll show you the danger of passive leadership. I didn't say bossy leadership. I said passive leadership. And it's really important to understand how it happens. In this sermon, young people, I want you to please be clear. It's not a pick on the children's sermon. I have a strong conviction, and you'll see in a minute, that, that parents can be unfair. The way they lead at all ages, from birth all the way up to 90 years old. You can be unfair if you're not careful. And I'll talk a little bit about that today. Secondly, we'll talk about, now you're surprised, next week, how our nation got stuck and distracted by politics. So stuck and distracted by politics is next week. How that works. Uh, I'm going to scare you because I'm going to answer some questions. Uh, I'm not going to tell you today what I'm going to say, but I think you're going to like it. I think you're going to be surprised. 
whatever you think I'm going to say will probably be wrong because the angle that I have taken is, I think, fair, and so it would be great. So my five questions, one of the five, this is not all I'm going to talk about the next week, um, what I think about Donald Trump, what I think about Biden, what I think about the Supreme Court, what do I think? I said, me, what do I think about this system where it's a season of confusing political strife? What if we stay here? What's going to happen? What does the Bible say about that? What, is, what about abortion? Yeah, all that in 25 minutes, 30 minutes next week. And it will be a small part. That is going to be four minutes of what I'm going to talk about. But I'm going to give you my, my thoughts in writing. You can read the notes if you want to. And I, my goal is to help you frame a thought. Somebody asked me, said, who, who will be the next pastor? What do you think is the next pastor of the church? Now, we do have a secession plan kind of in place. We do, really do. But um, beyond the plan we have that we don't talk about, but we have a plan. But the plan that we have, the, the, who really needs to be the pastor, is a guy named uh, Mr. Good Thinking. Good thinking will help you have a good pastor the next time. If you want to have, pick a good husband, you need, you need a husband, a man, that says, if you have good thinking, you'll make good decisions. So my goal in talking about the politics a little bit next week and giving you a biblical framework for it, and you can get the notes and kind of see where I'm going if you want to go, go ahead a little bit. There, you're, if, I, if I tell you how to think, then I've not done you a good service. But if I say, here's how I frame my thinking. So when I watch the news and when I hear things, I don't get, what, what stops me from getting stuck? And if you think right, you'll be okay. Classic example. Just now, how many of you saw my wire sticking out right now, just now? See? Distracting, right? Mm -hmm. So they came up because they know I told them, don't let me look bad now. So they came up here, took a chance, and notice how I didn't get stuck because I'm not trying to be impressive. I'm trying to be honest. Sometimes if you're not careful, you don't know how to think in a crisis. So a crisis lingers with you too long, hurts you, and affects your future because no one can think their way through this crisis. I promise you in family, you're going to have crisis. And so we'll talk about how I frame my political thoughts. I'm not saying that you won't come out of here a Republican or a Democrat or an independent. I can promise you that. You won't, be, you won't leave here any more of anything. Hopefully you'll leave here with another way to look at things. That's all. Watch that next week. Then we're going to talk about how godly people get stuck and distracted by issues. And our third study of the month, we'll look at issues. Everybody say issues. Now, I'm telling you something. If you deal with anybody... Over time, you have issues. Now, church people are trying to lie to you a little bit. When you get saved and sanctified, you don't have any issues. No. Let me tell you something. The statistics are amazing. You can have issues, and Paul says this in Romans chapter 7. You can be a sincerely devoted Christian and struggle with issues in your life, from sexual issues to, to drinking issues to emotional issues to financial issues, self-worth issues. You can have issues all over the map. Don't like people this you. I won't ask you to raise your hand if there's somebody you don't like, but I'm just, just think with me. You know people. If you're honest, I don't like them. How do you deal with that issue in your life? Then the last week, we'll talk about how to get unstuck. How to get unstuck and how to focus. But today, I promise you, we'll talk about children. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30 is a great place to begin because this is a story about a family that has what I call an adjusted promise. I want to first read, though, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3. 
I'm sorry, chapter 1 Samuel 3, verse 11. And this is a big statement that God makes to Eli and his family. It's really incredible. Listen to what he says. The Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. Pause for a second. This is a young man, a child. God is speaking in this text to a child. That's how he's described in the Bible. This is not an adult he's talking to. He is going to become the head prophet, the head leader, the head priest, rather, but doesn't know it. He doesn't really understand it. And he's, God is speaking to him, and he's confused about what he's hearing. Eli is the guy in charge. He's the head priest. So think about this now. Eli is the head priest. Samuel is a young man that was left with him, kind of like a protege, but he's a child. The Lord spoke to this child, Samuel. See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against, listen carefully, I will carry out against, say that with me, please, come on. I will carry out against, one more time, I will carry out against, one more time, I will carry out against, listen, I will carry out against Eli. I'm going to do something against Eli. Everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge his family. I will judge his what? One more time. I will judge his. One more time. Say it again. Come on. Family. I will judge his family. How long? Forever. Tell your neighbor. Say that's a long time. Because of the sin he knew about. Because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God. And he failed, he failed, he refused, he, re- he refused to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Wow. Man, who wants to be on that list? Now, that's tough. It gets tougher. 1 Samuel 2 and 30. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel declares, I promise the members of your family, Eli, I promise that the members of your family would minister before me forever. That was the original plan. But now, the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained or scorned. That's what disdained means. That's strong language, folks. And the question is, why? Because he was passive. There's a book. Always a book with me, right? (laughs) Oh, some of you I want to call by name. You're going to love this book. It's called Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. See? Here we go. See, I told you kids, hang with me. Lindsay Gordon, Gibson rather, said this, passive parents have a laissez-faire mindset and avoid dealing with anything upsetting. They, re- they readily take a backseat to a dominant mate, even allowing abuse, even allowing abuse and neglect to occur by looking the other way. They cope by minimizing problems and acquiescing, giving in. Wow. One more statement. 
And you're, if in, in your desire to protect and improve you love, your love to your children, you can end up stuck in a dangerous place yourself. You can become distracted by their life issues and lower your standards. They can make you lose focus on your issues. Eli had rebellious children that abused their advantage and caused their father to get distracted. In the end, the children were punished and he was fired. Look at the preacher for a second. Say, wow. That just speaks to you. Now, the book we'll do later on is the book of the month, but not a book of the quarter. I'm not going to do it now. But, oh, man. Parents, it's in the notes, too, by the way. Children of emotionally immature parents. Eli just didn't get it, and, and his choices affected everything. When you deny yourself the opportunity to look at life honestly from all sides, you set your family up for results that are traumatic. Now, I, I have a view that is somewhat um, unspoken. I don't say it all the time, but I think it. Some of the things we see happening to families could be judgment because they decided the leader of the family decided to, to be passive. The leaders of the family have decided to ignore everything. Now, I'm not telling you to go home and declare war. I'm simply saying it could be that some of what we're dealing with is tied to choices we've made. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. See, it's easy to just blame the children. The whole problem is the children need to be obedient. That's what's wrong with the world. Beat them, beat them, beat them. If you're not careful, you think it's all the parents' fault. Sometimes the whole family has made a decision. His sons decided to be ungodly. They were sleeping with women in the temple, stealing money, taking the offering. And they used to bring, you know, they used to bring blood sacrifices, and they'd bring a lamb. And they would be, you know, some of it they would, you know, offer as a burnt offering and some of it they'd offer and have to boil it. They had little different ways they did the offerings. And those guys would walk in there and say, hey, give me that meat. No, I'm trying to offer this to the Lord for my sins. I had a lot of sins this week. No, give me the meat. And they would take it. People used to hate coming to church. If I call you, you with me? Because they were so terrible. You come to church and he's sitting there winking at you. Hey, hey, hey. And you know what's interesting? People know it. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Now, don't ask anybody who raises their hand a question. You do not have the right to do that. How many of you know things that have gone on in church that they don't know you know went on in church with the people in the church? Raise your hand. Put your hands up high. Come on. Y'all don't know nothing? Y'all trying to play dumb? Y'all know? You don't, how many have been in church and seen people live lives that were inconsistent? Raise your hand. Okay, we, we, we coming. How many of you are not going to raise your hand because you don't want nobody to know you know anything? Mm -hmm. <laughs> People see behaviors that run you away from gathering, and that's what was happening with Eli's kids. People hated to come to the temple because of them, and Daddy knew it. Let me ask this question. How many of you have been in a church setting, and you know a lot of people know, but nobody's acting like they know? Raise your hand. Mm -hmm. people, don't, people know. They don't say anything. Just like right now. I ain't raising my hand. Because we know, we saw, 
And what's really sad is he refused to do anything. He didn't have to shoot them. He just had to say, you can't serve in this position. He didn't have to disband them from the He just said, no, you can't have this position. But he didn't want to do that. One of the tragic things I've seen happen is you hire people in your family, you hire people you love, and you won't say anything to them. I've seen businesses destroyed like that. Don't hire anybody that you can't lead. Don't, don't, don't go into business with your family members if you can't say anything. I saw it. I, <laughs> I've seen some family businesses be horrible. Bring me that check-in back there, brother. We got people out here waiting. Well, don't you yell at me. I'm trying to get the chicken ready. And I'm thinking, what kind of family is this? They're running a business, and they're fussing and yelling and screaming, and nobody is stopping the train. That's what it was like in Eli's church. It was a mess. And so God says, because you know better, there is no forgiveness for you. Now, I want you to think about what I'm saying. If you choose to live a certain way, there are results that come. And there are four results I want you to think about. The first thing that can happen is a leader that's distracted and stuck can forget their main priorities. His main priority was the temple, not his family, and the, on the job. Once he took the priestly role, he couldn't let his family come in and change the priorities, but he did. Because he, quote, loved his sons, because he cared about them, he wouldn't challenge them. Secondly, another result is that you can, you can, you can weaken the family and shorten the lifespan. God promised that he was going to see them die in one day. These same sons. Sometimes the shortened lifespans that I see in some families is tied to this. Just a thought. When I see it, over and over and over and over again. I wonder that we as a family make decisions that set us up to be under this kind of judgment. I wonder that we make decisions that cause us to be in a place that brought not blessing, but judgment. Thirdly, sometimes we become spiritually unemployable. Now, my staff, when they heard that term, they said, so what is that? That means hiring you is a spiritual risk. If I put you in spiritual authority, you're going to damage something. So God told him, I'm not going to hire you nor your descendants following you. I'm not going to hire you. You guys are fired from the priesthood. And, and you will never, ever be allowed back in. Now, what's, what's powerful is this is not because God wants to do this, but because this family is not safe. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. This family, is your family safe? Can you be trusted with money and power and position? I, I really believe that God wants to bless us, but the stories are full throughout history of people who've gotten to this place of authority and leadership and money and opportunity. And the bills weren't paid. And things weren't done right. And there's no transparency. And there's no accountability. And so here you have this man. God says, listen, I'm telling you, I'm firing everybody. And then, this is what's powerful. He says this in verse 35. I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. I'm going to fire you guys. And I'm going to raise up somebody else who will do according to what is in my heart. 
and mine. He fired them and replaced them. Now, I want to ask you if you've ever been fired from a job. But um, I have this rule. Whenever I lose something, I want to learn from it. I want to somehow have an honest conversation with myself and with those that I'm no longer in relation with. Tell me what, what happened. Tell me from your perspective what happened. There's something beneficial about that process. Because you learn, then you grow. If you don't learn, you can't grow and you can't change. So you repeat the same mistakes over and over again. And if you always think you're right, you're never going to see anything. I am not always right. Our church isn't perfect. There are things that happen, and I need to learn from them. And this, and this guy in this moment, this is a guy you cannot teach. This is a guy, let me say it again, you cannot teach. His children have got him stuck and distracted. So the question is for you today, have you allowed that to happen in your family? Are you the family that is distracted completely? And I mean, this can, you can be sincere about it. I mean, you want to help your kids have the best. You got all these plans for them because you didn't have it and you want to have it. And you want to make sure they get it. And I understand all that. I've been through that. You want to give them the best. You denied this. But if you're not careful, you'll forget your main priority. I understand when you hire people and you start on a job, you're fine. You're clear about your job description, but you've been there so long, you can forget your main priorities. That's what Eli did. When you read the story, you got to look at yourself. That's what Eli's story makes me think about. Am I allowing my children to distract me so much that I am not taking care of me? Am I allowing people under my, under my authority, under my leadership, to do things that's destroying everything we work for? Am I letting that happen and saying nothing? Again, I'm not saying go home and declare war. Here's what I'm saying. Think about what I'm saying. Eli, here's a big statement, refused to think about it. Even after he was told all of this, he never repented. He never changed. I love the story of Jonah on the boat. And the men looked at Jonah and said, why do you think we are in the storm about to die? Jonah said, it's because of me. He knew. Then he says, the only way you can live is if you throw me overboard. My thought always was, if you are a godly man, and these are ungodly people, you know it's your fault. Why don't you just jump in the water yourself? <laughs> but Jonah said to them, if you want to live, you're going to have to throw me in because I'm not jumping. <laughs> We're going to all go down together. I'm going to spend your money. I'm going to keep the house nasty. I'm never going to give anything. If you want to have money, you got to put me out, and I'm not leaving. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, Jesus. You dated somebody, and you know they ain't no good for you. You know it. They know it. You know it. Everybody knows you know it. But they ain't leaving. It's a good train. Ain't got nowhere to go. 
<laughs> so we can all just go down together. Don't go home and put somebody out right away. Pastor Rick said, you got to go. No, I didn't say that. Here's my point. This is a guy who would not change. His sons wouldn't change. He wouldn't change. So God had to make a change. His sons wouldn't change. He wouldn't change. So God had to do what? One more time. His sons wouldn't change. And, and so God had to make a change. Some of these families where you're seeing tragedy after tragedy. I wonder if because the children won't change and the parents won't change, God decides to make a change. Just a thought. It's always fun to read the Bible when it's somebody else, isn't it? But when you step into the pages yourself, it makes you think about it. That's why I tell our country, if we won't make a change and our leaders won't make a change, God will make a change. It won't go on forever. Think about it. Remember in high school, the coolest one, the bully? What happened to all them bullies? What happened to them? I've seen them be mopped up in the street over and over again. I've seen the mean people lose out over and over again. I've seen the arrogant businessman lose his business over and over again. I've seen the ones who are, who are, who are evil-hearted and mean lose out over and over again. Young people, live long enough, you'll see them. All the cool people are going to be uncool. Watch. All it takes is a little bit of time. All the ones who are just so, oh, they're so good-looking. They ain't going to look at that all the time. Watch. It's, gonna come. it's coming. It's coming. It's just, oh, it's coming. It's coming. The hair going to go out. All kinds of stuff. It's going to fall. Oh, yes, in Jesus. I... I looked in the mirror, and I had more hair a while ago. And, um, and, and you know, grandbabies are amazing, especially girls, girls in particular. Papa, you don't have any hair. I said, Milani, yes, I do. No, you don't. Where's your hair? I said, it's right there. She said, look, come here. I, I told you you ain't got nothing. No. It's not the same level. You either go with it or look spotty, whatever you want to do. At the point in your life where you are right now, I wonder, are you distracted? I wonder, have you allowed yourself to get stuck? I wonder what God's going to have to do to, to reach you. Lord, help us today. Hear this message. Because some of us are stuck in a place we don't need to be stuck in. Some of us have become distracted and lost our way. And so, God, as we stand, and I want you to stand on your feet, we stand realizing that we need you to help us be unstuck. And the first step in that direction is being honest. The first key to changing our life is to become brutally honest. Some of us need to look at our finances and say we are stuck in a bad habit. Our routines are, are, are stuck in late, always getting up late, planning late, stuck in strife. Heal us today. Deliver us today. 
bring grace to us today. In Jesus' name. I said a lot today, and I ended a couple of minutes early. I'm going to do something I, I don't do all the time. COVID's made us a little afraid to kind of interact a little bit, but if you want to come to the altar, I said something that spoke to you in some way. Come down. I'm going to pray for you today. If you want me to pray for you, just come on down and stand here. If anybody said something, if you want to, you can spread out however you want to so you feel safe. Come. I want to just pray for people today. For reasons who have needs, you feel that stuck feeling. You feel that distracted feeling. Can't quite get it together. Trying all you can. Asking God for grace. Asking God for wisdom but you just feel stuck. And it's, if you can take a step forward, that'd be great for others behind you. Stuck and distracted. One of the challenges in my job is that I can get stuck. Oh, God. And feel so distracted. Dwelling on it every day. You ever been that looping thing? It's looping over, over. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. You ever played that game? Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Shoulda saved, shoulda shaved, shoulda planned, shoulda known, shoulda, coulda, woulda feeling guilty, looking back at a past relationship, feeling you should have done better, could have done better, should have been wiser. But you know, God is the God who can unstick you. We walk by faith and not by. Father, we don't always see how we got here, but we know you are the God who can help us today. Eli was not able to be helped because he refused to even say and admit his part in this. We admit our part, oh God. We admit that we don't have everything together, but we know you love us. And so today, I, I pray for all those at this altar and those that are home today, those that are listening in on demand, wherever they're listening, heal them today, bless them today, give them victory today. And I declare in Jesus' name that no weapon formed against them will prosper. I pray for healing in their bodies. Some are stuck physically in this loop of physical challenge, and they have done all they know to do. So we lift up their bodies to you today. And we pray for healing in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, that you would give the doctors wisdom. We pray, God, that you would work miraculously and bring healing to their bodies. In the name of Jesus, we speak to marriages. We speak, Lord God, to all the job issues. We speak to the hard decisions to stay or move, to go or not go. Give them wisdom. Let them not feel stuck. Let them try. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Now, I want to tell you something. Look at, look at the preacher for a minute. A lot of times people call you to the altar, and the goal, look at the preacher for a second. The goal is to get you to fall out. Well, I don't want you to fall out. I want you to hear me. Think with me. Here's what I do. When I don't know what to do, and I feel stuck, I pray, I investigate, I seek counsel, and here's what God does. As I go, he guides me. As I go, he guides me. Come on, as I go, he guides me. But I'm not afraid to seek counsel. I'm not afraid to take a step. I'm not afraid to trust myself. I'm not afraid to try. I'm not afraid to fail. That's why our book of the month, the quarter, is called Failing Up. And that book is incredible. You get it online. We have a few outside here. This was a guy. Man, his story is so incredible. How he, how he started out, what's the name of the play he was in? He was in um, Hamilton. And in this, he talks about how in his career, so powerful. I, the, the quote I love the most in the book, 
he said he was about to quit and give up. And he went to his mentor, and his mentor said to him, we understand, you probably find something else to do. I know you've been in the movie industry for 10 years now. He said, but I want you to, I want you to do one thing before you quit. I want you to really try. And he said, what do you mean really try? I've been in it for 10 years. He says, but today, you're good at responding when the phone's ringing. But what do you like when the phone's not ringing? Who did you call today? What efforts did you make today? Really try. That thing touched me. God, I want to really try. And as I try, you'll guide me. As I ring on the doorbells, you're going to open them for me. Knock and it shall be open, right? Seek and you shall find. That's what the Bible said, right? Come on. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Come on, church. Say amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I got here one brick at a time, people. Every brick on this wall, you see, I was here when they were putting these bricks up. I was standing down here watching them. One issue at a time. I kept knocking. Sometimes I thought I was right. I had a godly plan. And they were building this building. I said, no smoking in here. Hallelujah. House God. I said, no smoking. Guys putting up the sheetrock and the guys working up on these, on, the, on these roofs, on these, putting these blocks up. And they were up on them scaffolding and they were shaking. I said, smoke. <laughs> Don't fall. Smoke. <laughs> I told them smoke. <laughs> I did. They shaking. It was up there shaking. I said, oh, oh no. You won't fall. I don't care what you think. The building's up in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. True story. That's a true story. Go ahead. Smoke it. See, sometimes you think you're right. And sometimes you got to work it out. That's all I can call it. Work it out. But here's what you don't do. Give up. Come on. Amen. Amen. All right. Father, we leave this altar thanking you for your victory today. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. Oh, come on. Amen. Wait, wait, wait. Let me pray one more prayer so I can get all the prayers out. Father, if there's somebody here that doesn't know your Savior, let this be the moment that they can say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. If they're here today and they would say, Pastor, I realize that I need to give Christ my life. What you said made sense to me. And I just want to start a walk with God, a new walk with God, with every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray for you right where you're standing. Say, that's my prayer, Pastor. I'm, I'm surrendering my life to Christ. One, two. Anybody else? Three, four. Anybody else? So I see you. Five. There you go. So, and more. God bless you. Bless them. If you're online, same thing. Father, bless those online. Let this be that moment when they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life from this day forward. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Now, online, if you're watching, there's a little, little thing that, that you can aim at and you can say hey send me that information about how to start my life with Christ and those of you that are here we got some information for you out in the, out in the hallway as you leave you'll see people out there by these uh, tables you can pick up a free information on how to grow in your walk with Christ go back to your seats thank you for coming can we give God a big hand clap for all these come on thank you so much